There's a heron outside in violet light. This is Cast of the Unplucked Gems. There's a great feel to this album. It's very warm and familiar and almost hearkening. There's a, uh, a real freshness in this album, and it should make for a very, uh, very fresh episode, <laughs> you say, guys? All right, we're gonna uh, we're gonna do something uh, a, a little a little weird. We're gonna pull the curtain back and let the viewer uh, or the listener in on a little something. This will be actually the third time we've endeavored to record the uh, the podcast episode that dare not speak its name, um, the Scottish Pod. Uh, <laughs> the Scottish Pod. Yeah, with the bane of our existence. Yes, uh, this is in violet light. It's become something of a traumatic experience between us. I'm with Steve Barg. I've kind of liked it all. Like, I'm not saying that I sabotaged the last two, but <laughs> I guess I'll just leave that f- to float out there. Maybe I did. Who knows, right? And gracing us with his beard. All the way from Marbeard, Germany. Am I saying that right? That's correct. Uh, Brad Van Paradon, live, not for you, the listener, but live for me right now. Yeah. I'm sure the, the listeners will feel my presence come through on this and the warmness, the chemistry that we all have, the fact that we could be here together. So maybe the fact that we, you know, fucked it up twice has brought us this, that we can all be in the room to do it. So. Oh, G- Gord Downey fuck bomb there. From, from <laughs> I also noticed your, your accent is gone. That's so weird. I'm trying very hard to, <laughs> to conceal my to conceal love of accent. schnitzel and... <laughs> I think you had a Falco. And Falco, yeah. Wait for the Falco cast. That's going to be huge. I think it was a Skype accent filter. I'm convinced. <laughs> Excellent. All right, guys. Um... This is very much an easy listening album, with most of the songs being somewhat subdued and relaxed. I find myself reaching for this album often, as it has a refined hip sound, but isn't too late in the uh, band's discography either. Um, This is certainly not a perfect album. Uh, I I actually dislike Are You Ready as the choice for the opening track. I do understand that the title does work well for an opener, but the blurring guitar chord open isn't reflective of what we're in store for it. Um, and the album does, in my opinion, drag a bit in the back half. Uh, it has uh, true B-side songs. Uh, that being said, I think fondly about the album, and I also connect the cover artwork and color uh, to the songs very readily. Um, I just wanted to, to go around. Brad, maybe we'll start with you. Uh, just general thoughts on the album. Uh, I think this is a real... I wouldn't say return to form, uh, but uh, music at work, I think, in the uh, in the overall was maybe a bit of, a bit of a dip in quality. Let's uh, see. Yeah, I mean, I think it definitely sounds more like a hip album than music at, at work did. Maybe music at work, they were trying some new things, trying to do some different things, and maybe that informed some of this because, like every hip album that we've talked about going forward, you can always see where they've been and where they're going, sort of blending, I think. And this is no different, but it definitely does feel like more of a hip album than Music at Work. I think it's got, uh, it's kind of got a hopeful tune to it, a positivity to it that I quite enjoy. Songs like um, Use It Up, It's a Good Life, Beautiful Thing, kind of seem to have this sort of imparting wisdom kind of nature to it. And that's, you know, this album, I think we'll, we'll, we can all agree, it's not chock full of bangers. 
a lot of bangers on this one, but it's positive, it's hopeful, it's good. It's maybe a bit subdued, but um, yeah, I, I quite like it, Steve. Well, it's good to stay positive in these dark times of uh, <laughs> recording podcasts. Slogging uh, through the minds. Yeah, uh, no, I, I don't disagree with anything you just said. I think, I mean, this this album is also uh, provides some uniqueness. Obviously, it stays true to the hip sound. And yeah, I can, I'll, I'll buy the fact that this is uh, a little bit of a step up from music at work. Uh, but... At the end of the day, there's uh, they're still trying to push the envelope. I think uh, "Good Life" is a pretty unique song in the hip catalog. Uh, um, I, I do think it's missing that kind of headline uh, single, whereas "Music at Work" had that in the "Music at Work" uh, song uh, that fits in really nicely with uh, the kind of best of hip catalog. Um, but the other side of that coin is that this album provides some uh, some really really nice tracks. Um, I don't know. I, I I don't know if I agree that the, it drags on at the end there, John, because I'm doing two songs from the B side right. today. I know you're uh, B side groaning, mm-hmm. uh, but I took the mantle and I I disagree that it uh, is a bit of a drag at the end. Well, I've got a couple different monikers. I guess B-side, uh, the champion of the B-side. I also... Old su- pouty face yeah, groaning. Yeah, super, super critical. <laughs> uh, especially, you know, and I, I did offer up some Old criticism. Old poops on things. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and also, uh, you know, biblical expert. Um, <laughs> but uh, there, there can't really... I forgot. There can't, yeah. yeah, I mean, I haven't been called upon. Um, the, <clears throat> there can't really be a doubt, though, that this album has a... Uh, a sort of warmth to it and uh you know uh, i think this is sort of a revered album when you hear you know the opening uh uh you know chords of the darkest one and things like that i think that this is vintage hip i think Mm -hmm. that uh we're certainly not past their prime at all and i i do like that um some of the you know envelope pushing and things like that have been sort of left to the side on this album this sounds like a true reflection of what the band was capable of recording at the time. Uh, and I, I really like it. I think there are a lot of standout tracks, but uh, there isn't a lot of name recognition uh, for those tracks on this album. Mm-hmm. You kind of have to, it's like a joke where, you, you know, you sort of had to be there. Uh, being inside these songs uh, as they start, uh, you're very, very happy to be there. But looking at the titles of the tracks, there, there isn't really the same sex appeal that there is. Some of these with other, other albums, yeah. and I yet think they recorded a video with the most Canadian celebrities seen in a music video at any one time. We should qualify too. Canadian celebrities are not celebrities. There's a, they're not <laughs> actual real. Unless they're the Canadian celebrity that's gone and made it big in the U.S. and everyone thinks is American. Right. Sometimes you can see Don Cherry's suits from Southern Buffalo. I swear to God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure there there's a reverence for him there. I just mean that to to be able to put an album together that has Joni Mitchell, that has David Suzuki. That has, you know, some of these luminary figures and, and you know, international stars. Uh, they didn't do that. Rick the Temp. Yeah, they they very much have, uh, 
you know, uh, Canada's own trailer park boys who've uh, gone on. Big to in New Zealand. Yeah. Huge. Yes. Uh, who've become prominent uh, uh, amongst streaming viewers and things of that nature. But a terrific music video. Maybe maybe the highest production value music video they ever did. Um, Do you think that's a real engine that Gord's holding there? That music video? They dropped that engine. He's got to hold the, right. the car engine. Yeah. No, I don't think so. Um, well, how I, do you I, make I, something look like a real I, I hate to burst your bubble, Steve, but... You know, well, that's I don't the understand the magic of film and production, I guess, but <laughs> I, uh, I thought that I left viewing that video thinking that Gord Downey was... A Superman. ...really strong. Yeah, and if you, <laughs> if you don't think that you're in for some hero worship, I mean, you're in the wrong place. You're, at the, you're listening to the wrong pod, bro. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it is some of the best music videos, though. Yes. I think that the yeah. band is produced. I like the Silver Jet. Silver video. Jet's also a great video. It's a good life it does, if you don't weaken. Is, I is like also that video. A in, great video. In, incredible song, Silver Jet too. I think maybe maybe yeah. the strongest song on the album. We're obviously we're going to get into that later. Yeah. Um, I I wanted to say uh, regarding the album artwork, it is interesting that the cover is a depiction of a scene uh, described in the lyrics of Silver Jet. Um, which we were just talking about. Uh, to me, that that's sort of a first as well. Um, but m- maybe serves to connect um, that uh, album artwork to the uh, the sound of the uh, uh, of the recording as well. Uh, you know, that was something I had earmarked. It definitely does. Uh, it feels purple to me. Oh, it feels purple. <laughs> yeah. Um, I see what you're saying, though. Yeah, for sure. Um, uh, Are you ready? Was the opening track? I already, I already got my swipe in on it. Um, the next song on the album is "Use It Up." All right, this song's uh, meaning is mostly at the surface, which is kind of nice to be honest. I know that my other song uh, is going to be chock-a-block full of deeper meaning. Uh, the song talks about the power of music, very much like the song Music at Work. In fact, I was thinking of Music at Work while doing my research into this song, and when I was doing the Music at Work podcast pre-work, I was thinking a lot about Use It Up. Um, if there's music out there lying in wait to pounce and drain every ounce, if you wait or hesitate, and music that will help you be tough, come together on more than springs to know most days it's been enough. It's music that can take you away. Um, he's saying that music can serve uh, many purposes and in these cases bonding with others and pumping you up. Uh, there's music out there staying awake, to cry and dry every eye until hatred's eliminated. And music that can help you feel great, to come together in the fifty dream of the kind of man you can take. There's music that can take you away. Again, speaking about the purpose of music, uh, for when you're sad, to cry and drain every ounce until hatred's eliminated. Um, the other meaning in this song is that we should not be too precious uh, about presenting our art. Every artist struggles with the urge to rewrite, edit, and perfect their ideas, to protect them from outside criticism. Use it up. Get it out there. Let the world see. You know, you're a singer. Sing it out. Write anything and show anyone. As I uh, want to do, I'd like to quote the most prolific writer of all time, L. Ron Hubbard. First draft, last draft, get it out the door. Is that um, what you meant when you said you're a Bible expert? 
yeah, yeah, a biblical expert. Yes, yeah. yes, okay. absolutely. Right, well, it's just sort of my jam. Um, <laughs> uh, use it up, use it up, don't save a thing for later was a very difficult song, pathos-wise, for me on Gord's last tour. I mean, it was one that I thought about before uh, we came to the show uh, or, or I saw uh, the, any of their last tour. It was something that certainly just sprang to mind um, as he absolutely uh, uh, left it all out there. Um, I, I just want to talk about uh, some of the, the choice of words here. I mean, indefeasibly and fictive, you know, uh, just once again, great great language and also you know it, it it does feel like there are uh more simple uh options out there you know as far as fictive we don't hear that word very often it's always fictional or uh fictitious uh but um fictive uh is is the correct use of the word and uh you know once again i do i do think that uh there's a choice made to sort of emphasize how these uh, these lines can phrase properly, um, and and how they can sound best together, and you know all these all the word choicing is is just incredible. Um, the outro of this song into the darkest one is perfect. I I think about how well it works every time I hear it. Um, this is a. a this is a connected album. The songs are connected together, and uh, this is done so very deliberately and, I think, uh, to great effect. This is something, it doesn't sound sloppy or ham-handed. This is something that, uh, I, I, I'm sure that they're written uh, to a certain extent uh, to, to pair together. Uh, I don't think this is a post-production fluke or, uh, or some last-minute change. Um, I, uh, I'm, I'm going to open it up to you guys. Uh, use it up. Um, I want to jump on just that last point that you made because it is there is a new producer on this one. Right. Hugh Padgham. Padgham. Right. Yeah, so maybe, you know, like the idea... Household name. Right, yeah, I think you work with Sting. I don't know, no <laughs> big deal. Sure, no big deal. Yeah. But I mean, you know, you're talking about them blending and Never stuff. Never heard and, of them, so... Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so maybe there is something there. Maybe it's a deliberate effort. Maybe it was input from a new guy. I don't know. But uh, as far as use it up goes, I mean, I think you nailed it. It, it seems a lot like music at work. Mm -hmm. You know, sort of taking a pleasure in in life and and art and music mm -hmm. and you know just leaving it all out there. Use it up. Leave right. it all out on the floor, kid. You know that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And this is definitely one of the ones that, like, when I talked about at the beginning, just like this sort of wisdom, this sort of positive vibe i mean the song yeah. sounds very positive and then yep. the lyrics itself too this message of like look at use it up go mm -hmm. yeah it's a very yeah it's pretty on the nose i think mm. well uh, yeah you guys uh growing you opened my eyes to the meaning of this song because i was under the presumption it was about vicodin oh okay like you gotta you you gotta take all the pills to fill the next prescription that's right yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> All right. Hey, oh. Hey, we got to keep it fresh here on the freshest podcast we <laughs> yeah. ever did. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, it's, uh, hey, listen, great song. I think he covered it. I love the Randy Newman reference. Yes. Yeah. Has... We all know the Randy Newman sound. Yeah. What it's like, that kind of happy. You got a friend in me sort of thing. Yeah. Right, yeah. I think. And it's weird too for a for a career an illustrious career for him to be uh, 
popularly regarded for uh, Toy Story, and that's about it. Is <laughs> like you know, and maybe somebody knows the song about uh, short people that he did as well. Yeah, yeah you yeah. know, and it's like, boy, oh boy, man, this guy had a, a a tremendous career. You know, he got absolutely roasted early on in Family Guy, and people remember that joke too. Oh yeah, Sing that was a great. Knows, that was a great Randy. Funny. Yeah. But uh, he has a very, very dark song called Last Night. And it's Last Night I Had a Dream and, 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 and you were in it. And uh, tell me what my name is and all this weird foreboding shit. He, you know, he is also a master, you know. I'm not sure that this is a direct reference to that. I think that Gord is once again referencing the super bouncy sort of... Uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, the larger work. He's not referencing this yeah. one dream or any stalker. One. Sorry, and, and <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know why I took a second to, to like, uh, stump for Randy Newman, but it would be weird. It would be like if uh, Elton John was known for Circle of Life. And they're like, yeah, he's the guy from The Lion King. It's like, no, you know, this this person's a, you know an esteemed musician. And uh, anyway, whatever. I'll I'll save it. I'll save it for the Randy Newman podcast. Randy Newcast. Randy Newcast. <laughs> um, the uh, the next song on the album, as I said, it bleeds directly into the darkest. The song begins with a very inviting sound and soon literally welcomes you. Come in, come in. The verses are split between two parts. The first half is invitations and setting descriptors, and the back half is commentary on someone else's thought process. I've always felt that the song is about someone, a very stubborn someone, someone with strong conviction, uh, who is invulnerable to arduous mental reflection. He speaks about this person with love, and for that reason, I've always imagined he's singing about a woman. In this song, she protects herself from the world outside by reducing her opinions down to their binary form. Things are either good or bad, just or unjust, right or wrong. He says, you say without shame, I just do. Mental toughness is recognized by Gordon another, and while he speaks about this person reverentially, he does seem to poke a little fun at the rigidity of their thinking. What you believe, you say without shame, I just do. It's, a pretty, it's, it's also pretty interesting to hear a songwriter speak as another person and for the listener to clearly understand that someone else is being quoted. It's also done without a lot of explanation. It's not like, and then she said, well, I just do. You know, it's, you say without shame, I just do. He also does this later in the song, where you say, I believe, or you say without shame, I can't tell. Gord also second guesses the persistence of the guard she's got up. You don't mean what you say, or you do. Gord also uses these quick contradictions, where you don't complain, but you still do. His delivery on these lines is outstanding. The lines become little asides directly to the listener. I know that I listen more intently to this song than other hip songs, and I think it's because of the way he actively draws you close and speaks to you in hushed tones. Um, even after I'd completed the write-up you just heard, my conception of the song was changing. It, after many, many listens, I come to think about the song a, a little bit differently than I just described. I 
I don't think he's speaking about another person, but he's speaking about how one should act in a bygone time. The welcomes are introducing the listener to the good old days, where women are ladies and men are gentlemen, and if you had a problem with something, you just said it. You know, when times weren't so cluttered and complex. The singer is telling you he knew how to behave in that world, and by extension of that, confessing that he does not know how to behave in this new world. The darkest one is someone who's indulging this manner of thinking to steel themselves against what they don't understand. The chorus outro reminds the listener that they are in control of the severity of their thinking. If that's what you want, oh, then you're the darkest one. The darkest one is preceded directly uh, is proceeded directly by uh, It's a Good Life If You Don't Weaken. And thematically, the two songs are tied together strongly. I, I, I won't go into any depth on that song, as it's still to come, but I really enjoy that Gord can write two songs that are tied at the hip. Uh, this, in my opinion, should be the opening track of the album, um, just with the warmth of tone. Um, I want to talk a little bit about some, some specifics in the recording. Extremely deft backing vocal in the chorus. I'd heard the song dozens and dozens of times and never really noticed the backing vocal in the chorus. Um, trademark Downey trills in the chorus melody. He's extremely busy and somehow sounds exactly correct. Um, it's a great choice uh, to build energy as the song goes on from a dynamic standpoint. Uh, the opening guitar lick is maintained through the intro and remains in the first half of the verse. And uh, uh, something small but uh, always sort of sticks out to me, excellent use of the shaker. And maybe that's Hugh Pagmal. <laughs> Padgum. 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 But there's an H in there. Household name. Household, Household name. name. Worked with Sting. <laughs> Worked with Sting. Uh, Sting with an H? That's right. <laughs> Sting with an H. Sting. Uh, <laughs> all right. Stang. <laughs> all right, guys. Um, uh, what say you? I mean, I know that was a that was a pretty long and in depth uh, analysis. Uh, anything that uh, jumps out from what I've said, or or anything that uh, that you've uh, that you've thought about that I didn't cover, uh, Steve? Yeah, I think you missed some Bible shit in here. Somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> uh huh. Are yeah. we talking St. James or Dianetics? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, maybe he's got a new one out. You know, you got to be prolific, right? Yeah. First draft, last draft. I don't think that the St. James Bible was was written as fast as you can because you got to beat the fucking deadline. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but yeah. <laughs> Isn't it the King James Bible? King James. I'm not the Bible guy. talking about? I'm not God the damn it! I've been outed as a... <laughs> As Whatever. a Dianetics lover. <laughs> Look, as a Scientologist, I don't have to know all the Christian shit. <laughs> right, anyway, go ahead. You Christian. know what? This song is a song I love. Uh, and it's a song that I've listened to you explain it three times now. And I love listening to it every time. And I think you're, like, it makes sense to me. But I just, it still is a song, like, it's such a complex song. Like you're saying, like, there's kind of the, I love the interrelational kind of view that Gord gives mm -hmm. um, and when he writes about that stuff it's fascinating um, so yeah I don't have a lot to add I guess is what I'm saying is I right. I do think you, it's interesting I do, think you, do you buy into my little theory or do you think he's describing somebody 
Like, I initially thought that he's talking about somebody that, you know, is just a tough fucking son of a bitch type of person. You mm. know? No, it seems like he's got, like, I, I like kind of you're depicting him as maybe a little bit uh, confused about how to how to act in this yeah in this situation well, well it's any a, situation it's a it's a nuanced world and he's certainly but he's not upset about it he's just kind of like huh. yeah look at that there's an admiration i think yeah. there uh you know uh, towards that person anyway but um, it's good so this is this is the video with the trailer park boys and don cherry no yeah yeah right. that is. yeah so do, don't those characters there just resemble who you were talking about in both the kind of takes? Right. The Trailer right. Park Boys More being the like tough motherfucker, whatever, just do it. And Don Cherry being the guy out of time. Right, yeah, you know, talking like, about the good old days. Talking about the good old days and still, I don't know, maybe, yeah, maybe you nailed it exactly. And that's, do you think if that was the case, they told Don, like, <laughs> Well, I bet Donald S. Cherry's into the dressing room right before shooting, just like, What's my character? Pouring over the lyrics yeah. like, wait a second. Yeah. This darn song's about my attitude. Yeah. He's probably he's probably wondering, okay, so I'm delivering some chicken. Do I have an opportunity to mispronounce anyone's name? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing, okay, let's say you're talking about this guy that's that's out of touch or whatever. Like, let's focus on that character mm-hmm. for a minute. But it's never really, like, when you think of that character, and, like, considering the jokes that we just made about Mr. Cherry. Sure. You know, it's, it's that guy's a joke. You right. know, he's a joke. But this song doesn't sound like the person's a joke. No. Or the know, gold, or, hold on. Or the whoa, whoa, whoa. You're just going to come in here and say that it's accepted fact that Donald S. Cherry is a joke? Well, first I said, of all. The way that we just spoke about the you man, don't, you don't need to, You don't need to keep going with the government name. <laughs> we know, we know, we know him as Don Cherry, but Don, Don, Donald, you don't have to hit us with the fucking government name, but, 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 but you know what I mean. Like generally, those characters that are out of time, out of touch, talking about, ah, yes. oh, back in my day, it was this. But those characters are looked at as sort of, you know, ah, oh, here he goes again. Right. He's on a rant. Don't doesn't listen to know, Grandpa. Doesn't even know what the guy's name yeah, is. Yeah, he's gonna say some some stupid shit, and all that we stuff all have is, to pretend. All that stuff in that sorry in that specific instance, and just while we're talking about it, is extremely deliberate. Hey, you know, like Ron McLean. Uh, you know, I can't remember where I picked it up, but he'll sit down and uh, and and consider the players that he's about to talk about, and then he'll reference his own pronunciations over and above how he knows them with the generally accepted pronunciation. So it's like almost like going through with a red pen and correcting the spelling down to some Lolongo so that he doesn't miss it and actually say Lolongo <laughs> as if he knows what they're actually supposed to be called. It's a super deliberate attempt to do it. Right. Which makes me think, you know, he's in on it. Yeah, of course. But again, I'm just saying in general, right. the song does not have that sort of uh, shame, shame, or disdain, person. or something yeah. for that for that character. It is one more of reverence, and yeah. But you know, even the title, the darkest one. I always thought of that as like the darkest one. It's kind of a negative thing, you know. Mm-hmm. But the song does not sound that. It's actually quite upbeat. No, you know, like the melody is always it's kind of rising and it feels good. Yeah, and it does feel like there's a tone of reverence. Yeah, for whatever character he's talking about, even if the person is, you know. Uh, out of touch or well, take the word, like that. take the word civilized, right? Mm. It it refers to civilization, right? 
And oh. so and so he's no, but he, but he's talking about the wild people being smart shit right there. He, he, but he's talking about the wild people being uh, being the strongest. Mm-hmm. So he's talking about where the de- wild are strong. Yeah, deliberately disassociating yourself from conventional thinking and from uh, niceties. It makes you more powerful as an individual, and I think that that's what he's trying to get across. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that he explains that a little more too in "It's a Good Life uh, if if you don't weaken," which really the, the the message, in my opinion, is maybe you better fucking weaken a little bit here because it's you're out of touch. Hmm. Uh, but spoiler. Any, uh, well, <laughs> sorry everybody. No, it's all right. Um, I got I I got some thoughts on the music though too because oh yeah, please, I mean yeah. this this song grooves in just like a really classic hip way and mm. I think a number of the songs on this album do this where it's like bass out is it well not I maybe maybe that's what brings this about but I feel about I, the way I always like think about it is that the songs like if you were to listen to the snare mm. uh, you know the snare drum it's going at the same tempo almost all the time right. you know like it's so there's this driving thing around it, but there's still ups and downs, lefts and rights. There's still, you know, moments where the song feels like it's moving, even though there's almost like a metronome type, you know, like a Max Weinberg snare where it's just all the time. And this one's exactly that. I mean, the, the tempo doesn't change, but you get the momentum. I think a lot of that comes from the vocals, the way he, you know, delivers them a step. I mean, think of the delivery about where the wild are strong. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of gives it. I mean, there's some great little bass riffs in there too. Well, it's also but got that sweet meandering. Meandering. That's right, right? Yeah, meandering. We were gonna let correct. you. We were gonna let you have it. Sure. Yeah, you can't pick that up on the podcast, <laughs> you guys, in your Bose headphones. Uh, well, no, we don't. Want, don't blow up Steve's uh, Twitter. Here. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's got that sweet meandering uh, Bobby Baker mm-hmm. solo too. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I sorry mean, to derail. No, sorry. Not at all. No, I think it's like yeah, like you said, and then the warmness, the inviting of it, even the two open, the, you know, the opening lines come in. Come in. Oh yeah. It's just like it, it brings you in on the breaks. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you don't have to be a, a, a super duper dork like me um, to you know to to understand that <laughs> that. Uh, that this is uh, an invitation, you know, that, uh, that, you know, they're happy you're here, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the next uh, track, I, I suppose, is, uh, is yours, Brad. It's a good life if you don't weaken. That's correct. Thank you, John. Thank you for already stepping all over my track, too. I appreciate it. We'll make my... Uh... I'm not done stepping all <laughs> over your track. I like the part where he's preemptively told you what it's about. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I don't even have to listen to you. Yeah. It's fantastic. <laughs> well, here's my take. Here's my two cents on the matter. It's what the darkest one is about. I was merely exemplifying. Yeah, <laughs> correct, correct. This is a really, like, I think we all agree, this is a beautiful song. It's, like you said, Steve, in the intro, it's, it's a bit of a unique song for the hip. And 
the opening of the song might betray the actual hopeful nature of, of, of the lyrics for me. You know, because it opens with the, you know, the plucking chords and stuff, and it has a very sort of melancholy kind of feel to it, almost uneasy, a little wary. Um, but it's actually, it's a really pretty song. One of the prettiest ones that I think the hip do. Um, the weaving guitar lines at the start, you know, give it that, like I said, sort of uncertain kind of a feeling, almost like you're searching for something. And I think that that is pers purposeful. Because to me, this story is a lesson. You know, it's a, or the song rather, it's a story and a lesson. And it's about finding your your right path, finding the path through the trees or, you know, whatever metaphor you want to use. Um, you know, through the forest of whispering speakers, if we will. And it becomes sort of like a mantra of how to live or, you know, letting you know that it's okay to live and be uncertain, that you're going to struggle to find this path, that you're going to struggle to find the, the right way. Or, you know, maybe it's just, you know, do your best and, and see what happens. Find a purpose, find somewhere to go, somewhere we are needed, and somewhere to grow. So I think it's worth it to kind of just go through the lyrics because they really do just sort of repeat the two verses. So the song opens, you know, with when the color of the night and all the smoke for one life gives way to shaky movements, improvisational skills, a forest of whispering speakers. Let's swear that we will get with the times in a current health to stay. Let's get friendship right, get life day to day. In the forget your skate's dream, full of countervailing woes, in a diverse as ever seems, proceeding on a need to know, in a face so full of meaning as to almost make it glow. Just oh, for a good life, we just might have to get friendship right, get I mean, this to me reads very, you know, straightforward. Uh, you have this scene in the color of the night, all the smoke gives way to these shaky movements. There's a little bit of uncertainty there. There's what are you going to do? Um, improvisational skills also harkens to the uncertainty of it all. You're going to have to figure out what to do when that moment comes. Um, through the forest of whispering speakers is just, you know, a great sort of line to give you this uh, image what I'm looking for so yeah I mean let's get in a let's swear that we will get with the times maybe that's a you know a, a reference to what you were talking about the character that's behind the times um, in the current hell to say let's get friendship right and get life day to day so uh, it seems pretty pretty straightforward and then as the music crests here and becomes hopeful and the message comes about finding somewhere to go and we find somewhere to go, go somewhere we're needed, find somewhere to grow, grow somewhere we're needed. And that's basically it. So to me, it's, there's going to be uncertainty, there's going to be uh, a journey to go through, and then you're going to, the, the point is to find somewhere, find somewhere you're needed, find somewhere you can grow, uh, and then grow where you're needed. 
So it kind of is like a really sort of helpful or hopeful message about, you know, like family or, you know, anything like this. Like, what's your purpose? Go where you're needed. Go where you can do something. And then once you're there, grow there in that spot. Um, when I look at it, uh, the standout line is uh, face so full of meaning is to almost make it glow. Um, <clears throat> he sort of like... He dazzles you with all the proceeding on a need to know. Everything that comes before that line is, is, is almost, you know, like it puts you through the wash cycle. It's almost intentionally confusing. It's difficult to keep track of where you are in the lyric, even when you're just looking at it cold, written mm -hmm. on the page. But I think the purpose of it is that when you know, when you're confronted with things that are important in your life, they present themselves as important. You know, when you see your child's face for the first time, or when you meet someone that's going to be very important to you, it has to almost make it glow. It's, it's talking about the euphoria you feel where, you know, that's, that's able to sort of pull you out of a routine or a mm -hmm. day, day life. And recognizing that, the, the, yeah. the important things or recognizing the forks in the road, right. when to go left, when to go right, when to lean into this, when to say no, those, these kind of right. signposts kind of things in your journey. And it feels like that's probably as close to Gord telling you that you're getting a sign, like mm -hmm. you're getting a, you know, a heavenly sign as he is ever going to get, you mm -hmm. know? because that's just not his MO. He's not reading the the King James, St. James, <laughs> Dianetics, Chris James Bible all the time. But, but, but I mean, it is, uh, we've all had experiences like that where there's a, there's an extreme air of importance presented to a certain situation or to a certain person. And it's very unmistakable. And, and that to me, it, you know, he's saying you, you can see that you can see that it's important. Um, maybe you should uh, change your, your behavior. Or uh, soften your stance, weaken. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It really reminds me of uh, Courage. Right. The song, I think, sure. uh, especially the verse provided by the book uh, by the human Clennon. <clears throat> I'm seeing a lot of parallels, parallels between this song and that song. And even watch the band through the dancers makes me think of a forest of whispering speakers. speakers. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I think musically, too, it like it builds, you know, it gives you this wisdom, that whole like verse that I that I read, you know, it's like that's the sort of slow part part. And it's kind of just imparting all these things, setting up this scene. And then by the time you get to, you know, it crests that and find somewhere to go, go somewhere where needed. And it's mm -hmm. like that's sort of the big reveal, you know, like the whole thing is about the whole verses, the journey up to that point, mm -hmm. the forget your skate stream through the forest of whispering speakers, I need improvisational skills, like it's all that uncertainty and stuff, yeah. and then you get the big reveal, like look at it's it's just this. Yes. You know? And isn't it odd though that, you know, like, so go where we are needed and that part, the refrain in the song, it's not my favorite part of the song, uh, you know, even though, you know, that's that's what we're, that's the destination of the song. Even though the backups are so sweet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, backup vocals. Yeah, just... you really got to give it to them. I mean, it's just, it's it's just a chemical reaction at that point with, with those backups. Because they sound so terrible in isolation. 
Not yeah. just in this song. I just mean that nobody is going to hire Paul Langlois to sing at, at yeah. your daughter's do. bat mitzvah. It's not going to be a thing. I um, would do it. You would? I'd do it right now. You, yeah. you feel he's ethereal? Paul, um, bring it. Let's go. It's no. an open invitation. <laughs> First, I got to convert to Judaism. And conceive a child. That's conceive oh. a child. I imagine those are ones more complicated than the other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've probably got more role in one than the other. No, but I, I'm just saying it's it, it, it's nice that uh, that the song is still about the struggle and the journey rather than mm-hmm. the end because the end is you know it's so plain, mm-hmm. knowing right from wrong, uh, and 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 you know exalting in being right is so boring. You know, so it's good that that's sort of relegated to the refrain at the end of the song, um, and that the song is mostly about uh, trying to find your way. Yeah, well, and I think that like there was a thing that I had written down, like you know, like he he doesn't change the lyrics much in between the two verses. It's basically right. the same thing, but when you get to the forget your skate stream part, in the first part, it's in the forget your skate stream full of countervailing woes into verses ever scenes proceeding on a need to know. And that's kind of gives it like, it's still that kind of uncertainty and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but then in the last part, it's because in the forgets, forget your skate's dream, you can hang your head in woe. Right. And this diverse as ever seen, know which way to go. Right. And that kind of gives it that like different exactly perspective. different perspective, but also like a bit more resolution, but also in the sense that it's like the journey's never over. Right. You know, like what you were just saying, you right? Just, the journey's ne- so you just, you could hang your head, but yeah. why? You'll know which way to go. Just right. keep keep on the path. Keep going. Right. It's sort of like the nature of experience too. It gives it gives you an idea about how to handle incoming situations. Mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. It, it doesn't. You've got no certainty at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I I love. Can we stop, Can we hang on the forget your skates dream line for a minute? Sure. Definitely. I just love that line. This sweet Canadian symbolism of something that you know is important to you you know the a game mm-hmm. uh maybe it was uh, it's habitual important maybe it's a love affair with this game or something <clears throat> but i mean to to realize that you've you to have a dream where you're realizing you forgot your you went to the rink and you forgot your skates uh, and this, then you're freaking out because yeah. this is like the thing you were looking forward to all week yeah. and it's like uh well now what do i do and it's like well, there, here's a choice. It's like, is is this thing that you're so focused on or love so much? Is the is this the most important thing, or should you be focusing on other things? You know, it's just like that kind of, uh, it's just a mentality or a mindset towards, um, kind of like, triaging importance in your life. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. overcoming anxiety too. It's a, it's a great, it's a great, great image for, for for anxiety and then talking about overcoming it and then these are my favorite kinds of canadiana references from gord where it's they're not it's, so overt yeah they're not overt it, it's 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 completely it's one word and it and it's it's there and it's gone mm-hmm. you know um but we all kind of pick up on it right like when you hear yeah. that forget your skate stream I mean, it's an odd thing to say, though, too. It is right? an odd like, thing to say. It's an odd line. Yeah. Nobody says that. That's yeah. not a it's not a commonly said. Uh, yeah, but you know what it means. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I just want to add one tidbit to this whole thing, too, is that 
It's a Good Life If You Don't Weaken is also, also a graphic novel by Canadian cartoonist Seth. Government name, Seth. That's it, one name. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, strong. Uh, um, is he related to the demon or sort of anti-figure from the Bible? Seth? <laughs> oh, here we go. Now he's trying to bring his Bible card ah. back up. All right. Uh, that I don't know, but it was... Uh, LeBron James Bible? <laughs> <laughs> it's from about mid-90s, and, you know, I didn't... I've got the wiki pulled up, but I didn't, you know, look into it too, too much. But I guess the the the, the idea of the story is about a character um, on a journey, searching for some kind of lost information or something like this. Um, so, I mean, it fits, I guess... It predates the, the song. Predates the song, for sure. And it sounds like it has a similar tone or, or, or feeling, um, you know, in terms of this character on a journey searching for some kind of truth or information or whatever. A lot of purple in the, in the book. Probably, probably a lot of purple. I don't know Seth, but there you go. So, Who knows if it's ever been said uh, when someone's talking about some book you don't care about, <laughs> well, I know, I'm just curious. Who knows if Sorry, it's ever, Seth, if you're who knows, <laughs> who knows if it's ever been said, uh, I'll wait for the song to come out. Right, right, right. Exactly. I won't, I won't bother reading it. I'll wait for the song. Oh, yeah. All right, I have the next track as well, and that is Silver Jet. You got these great harmonics at the at the beginning that are just beauty, backed by some sweet and heavy kick drum, and then that very simple back and forth riff riff drops in, and just drives the whole thing. The riff has has a space. There's space in the beat that allow for the memorable memorable guitar part that basically defines the whole song. And while this riff forms the basis for most of the song, it really lends itself to dropping out you know, uh, for, for effect at the beginning of verses and allowing for this tight build-up up to the chorus. Really, really fun song. And I find myself, even though I'm describing it as a banger, you know, I think it comes across that on this album. But when you put it next to, I was listening to it today and I just thought to myself, when you put it next to other hip, you know, real rockin' tunes, it's still, it's got kind of a slower beat. But it does drive, it does bang, it's got some heaviness to it. And, yeah, one of my favorite songs on the album, for sure. Uh, lyrically, the, th the word that comes to mind is restlessness. You know, this is, it's got the feel of someone needing to get out of town. Um, the obvious use of the jet symbolizes that. But it's also kind of set up uh, in the first verse by, by painting a calm scene at first. There's a still in the night, a tuneless, a tuneless moonlight. Uh, followed by a line that I think only Gord could work into one breath. Just the I need you and here's why of flooring Gord's Cheryl. Great line. Which is, you know, like a, a, an interesting way of depicting a content couple who are, you know, so together and settled in their life that even their snores sort of assure each other that they're there and why they need each other. 
and then snap. There's a heron in violet light and a heightened air of peril. And just the way he delivers that too is just rife with tension. And then from here you have this build, you know, then your heart jumps and my heart jumps. And there's questioning of one's heart. And I think to myself, I don't really know my heart. And you whisper to me too. Bam. And then we get the silver jet roaring overhead. And it rocks the nocturne called Everblade. Which, just as a, a note here, a nocturne is actually a medieval composition, a uh, music composition style that evokes nighttime. And to me, the Everglade and Grey Shears conjures an image of curtains rustling as something rushes by. And then you got the, our character, our narrator of the song, fighting the hot spurs all the way to Cape Spear, which is the most eastern part of Canada. So the other theme, you know, mixed in this tale of rest, restlessness is the unknown. And perhaps that's where the restlessness comes from, this idea of running from the unknown. And I get this from like a, a few key spots in the song. The uh, my heart jumps and not knowing my heart gives the sense. But there are three references that can specifically bring about the unknown. One, the verse about Big Ben and radio Dopplering for all you Gregory Peck fans. So I guess Big Ben, uh, there was an Operation Big Ben that was a project meant to track V2 rockets aimed at London. And of course the Doppler radar is a specialized radar that uses the Doppler effect to produce velocity data about objects in the distance. Nerd! Ugh! <laughs> uh, and then number two, uh, comes in the next part with the wolves of North Northumberland. Your heart jumps to, and my heart jumps to, as if the wolves of Northumberland themselves were rumored to be on route. And so again, you got this idea of not thinking wolves coming down and the dread that that would bring. Um, and again, I'm, I'm referencing these, these uh, I'll just say I'm referencing these stories, these uh, asides here, from Hip Museum, shout out Hip Museum. Um, and so the Wolves of Northumberland could be a story about a town in 1904 that was plagued by weird uh, animal mutilations that were attributed to a murderous wolf. Um, the Wolves of Northumberland. And then finally, uh, the Silver Jet, you're an archipelago, a satellite, a green star. Um, so an archipelago, a series of islands, which brings about, like to me, it's this idea of like fragmentation. So if you're calling someone an archipelago, they're fragmented. That's sort of a bit of an unknown character. Uh, you can't piece it all together. A satellite, a far off object, uh, also traveling with great speeds like the silver jet. And then the green star might refer to an illusion. And warning, here's some more nerd shit for you, John. Dork. <laughs> There's a theory back in the day uh, that stars, uh, stars' color can tell you something about its composition and distance based on the gas and how that would appear as light coming through the atmosphere. Um, and however, you know, many astronomers debated this and most feel that a green star that you see, if you see a star that's green, it's actually uh, an optical illusion based on atmospheric effects and all this, so maybe not. 
uh, actually green. But again, that kind of adds to this whole thing of this unknown, this sort of restlessness, what's going on. I don't know if that's what Gord actually was going for in that, but I thought I'd add a little uh, little nerd talk to the podcast. And um, and then the other interesting references in the song are Clayquit Sound and Cape Spear, which are the furthest, most west and east points of Canada, respectively. Also, Cape Spear was attacked by German U-boats uh, during World War II, the only, the only part of Canada to actually be attacked uh, by Germany, which kind of goes with this Big Ben reference and the Doppler radar. It's giving, you know, maybe Gord was into some World War II literature at the time. Um, also, Gregory Peck starred uh, in the movie Cape Fear, kind of like Cape Spear. Um, and again, this movie uh, has themes of unknown, this sort of unrelenting terror and restlessness of the character that's stalking the family. Um, and Gregory Peck also starred as Ahab in Moby Dick. And that too has these themes of chasing something, needing to get out and be out on a journey, chasing the unknown or trying to find it. Um, another reference is Let Us Now Praise Famous Men, which is both a line from a passage in Bible reference here, John, Book of Ecclesiasticus. Not a real book. Commonly, <laughs> commonly known as the Wisdom of Sirach. Um, it doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> but perhaps more re relevant, um, it's also the title of an American book that depicts or that documents the lives of poor tenant farmers during the Depression. So it's possible that, you know, all of this, all of these references, maybe they have some of the deeper meanings that I've attributed to some of the themes of the song that I'm feeling, but maybe it's also just what Gord was reading and watching at the moment. Who knows? Uh, but I think for sure it's got this movement. It's got this uh, get up and go. I'm, you know, quietly wrestled, nestled in bed, and then I've got to hit the road and, and run. And maybe it's, maybe it's about a band. Um, and there's life on the road. I'm thinking packing is a secret art, as you whisper me to. Um, you know, he's got it down. He's got the he's got the movement down. He's got the traveling down. He's got packing down. He knows that, you know, I can be here with my, with my Cheryl, but in a moment's notice, I'm going to have to get up and go and catch that silver jet, all the way to Cape Spear. So that's my take on the song. Um, and like I said, I think it's one of my favorites on the album, for mm. sure, musically and lyrically. Having your packing down is just such an important part of everyday life. If you got your pack game tight, then yeah. Get your pack game tight, listeners. Get your bug out bag. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Maybe my game's Oh, sorry, you're not enough. a prepper. You're not a prepper, my bad. Fair. I got clipboards. <laughs> Anyway, a uh, couple things. I've, I always learn a lot when I listen to you guys, and uh, I didn't know who uh, I didn't know what radio Dopplering was till I do now, or for now I know. Uh, <laughs> we'll see when we record yeah, it for a fourth time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know who the hell Gregory Peck was. Oh, come now. He also played Atticus Finch in uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. He's, Amer right, yeah. he's America's father during, yeah. okay, during yeah. the early 60s. 
I can't picture him, but uh, I'm thinking of uh, like Jeff Daniels plays Atticus Finch now. Mm. Yeah, that's a play. Gregory Peck had a much stronger jawline. Right. Much squarer. Did he kind of precede that kind of film with like a Dumb and Dumber kind of thing? <laughs> I don't believe Gregory Peck was also in a, a Dumb and Dumber <laughs> type kind film. Kind of thing, yeah. I don't know. I'm not a Peck expert. Peck expert. Um, I'm not a Peck guy. <clears throat> anyway, I love this song for a lot of reasons, and I love your description of it, Brad. Uh, musically, this song is, uh, first of all, just the beginning of the song is like, uh, it comes in and it's 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 grabby. It's like Velcro shit. Uh, and I can't wait for uh, to hear the podcast produced and hear that, that uh, the guitars kind of wave in there. Uh, I, like you're, you're, you kind of nailed it earlier. You're saying it's not, it's like a banger, but is it, it's not a fast banger. It's like there's, there's a lot of muting going on. There's a mm-hmm. lot of space mm-hmm. in the, in, in the melody. Um, I don't know. It's just such a cool song. So it's not like a little bones, you know, where it's like boom, 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 kind of going in like you know, like yeah. a real banger. But when you like, I think like I said, like in comparison to other songs on this album, it really stand, stands out as heavier. But then I think also, because I believe this one is probably on the best of. I, maybe I'm wrong, but you know, it's not going to seem out of place on there either. It's possible that the darkest one and uh, it's a good life are the ones on are the two from this album on. On the best of, I don't know, but you on know. your favorites. On your favorites, yeah. But John, what do you, what what say you? Banger, 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 <laughs> banger, uh, alert, banger, yeah, alert. yeah. No, it's a it's a it's a great song, and I, I think what makes it a, a banger is that there's there's this kind of <clears throat> a sinister undertone quality to it. Um, the foreboding. Yeah, exactly, uh, and I think too that you know uh, this is. This is Gord saying, you know, I, I live a rebellious life. I, I, you know, I, I have a, a non-standard st- style. An alternative lifestyle. Lifestyle, yes, <laughs> exactly. And I don't know, I, first of all, I love hyphenated turns of phrase. So just the I need you and here's wise of snoring Gord's and Cheryl's. Is a, so brilliant. Is, is, ama- is amazing and autobiographical. I, I think maybe one of the first times where he talks about openly himself being one of these characters, you know. Um, and I just love, I, I love talking about, you know, the silver jet and, and how, much, uh, how much pressure you have to put into moving forward to actually get anywhere. Like, you know, I, the the line is so far off already. Um, you know, because he's viewing it from the comfort of his family home. Um, like, like was that the line in in the in the ahead of him, or is it the line like that you've passed that you're looking back no, and it becomes no, a dot? It, kind no, no, no. It just mean it just means it, it just means when you look at when you look when you're home and 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 everything's safe and your heart jumps mm-hmm. you know uh because you start to contemplate the idea of leaving and then y- you see the physical representation of leaving and it's in the form of the of, of the jet <clears throat> uh, 
traveling that fast and that hard away, mm -hmm. even though you're already so far away, I mean, is the only way to do it. You know, and, and, and that's why I think, you know, you get these dramatic uh, sort of uh, points of reference, the, the easternmost and the westernmost points right. of Canada and things like that, because, you know, this isn't like, oh, I need to, you know, I need to pack my bag up and then, uh, you know. Like take I, a nice I, little business trip. Sure, and I like to get there two hours early because this is more like leaving the front door open because you ran out in your bare yeah. feet. You know, and, and that's sort of the kind of... Uh, I don't know, inspiration you have to have. You know, and then in, in live versions, he says, so far up already, and that's Bernoulli principle and all that stuff too, where, you know, the only way you're... Some more nerd shit. He's talking about <laughs> myth, Steve. <laughs> the only way you're going to... When I aced my grade six test on Bernoulli's <laughs> principle, don't fucking bring that out. I'll... Want to go? Grade <laughs> six? Damn it. That's my scientific. Anyway, um, <laughs> no, no, no. But just, but just uh, pressure forward is the only way to get up. Uh, you know, um, and uh, or that you need that urgency. Yes. Like, yeah. yeah. You need that urgency to create, to go, to do this. Yeah, yeah and and it has this like uh, rebellious feel to it. You know, sort of like a sinister outsider type of you know brood. Well, and I wonder, too, like, if we're talking about, uh, you know, it being about a band or something, you know, or, like, somewhat semi-autobiographical, there's got to be some, you know, you're saying you're using the words, like, rebellious and stuff like this, but I wonder, too, if there's a sense of, uh, you know, regret or yeah. shame in there because it's like, I'm leaving my Cheryl, you know, like, I like I have this nice right. thing, and then, as boom. As fast and hard as yeah. I possibly can, yeah, yeah. And then I'm that's, leaving home. Yeah, and that's yeah. my heart jumps. Your heart jumps. Right, because you recognize it in me yeah, that yeah, I've, yeah. I've thought of leaving. And that could be some of the yeah. sense of foreboding or, or tension that you feel is like, shit, I know I'm gonna, I know my family might not be happy with me, but I gotta get up and do this, and that's the life I chose, sort of thing. Absolutely, I have, yeah, incredible tension. That's a note I have. Uh, only song on the album that has any menace to it. I think it's the best song on the record. Um, Catchy chorus, and I love the bass guitar rundown. Yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, and, and, and the hip doesn't do a whole lot of this sort of stuff. Yeah. They're, not a, they're not a metal band mm -hmm. by any stretch. Not a lot of, well, you know, other than yeah, like on Road Sinclair can really walk it, though. Yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And they do do riffs well, but like they've done like the really riffy albums of the early ones. You know, mm -hmm. we've now kind of right. You don't like, and that was like a lot of guitar driven stuff. You know. Well, when now I, you don't in this album you don't hear a lot of strong riffs maybe, and no. this is a very recognizable riff. And when I when I when this was the the hip play their new stuff on this tour, uh, when this was the song that got played. In that light, I was. It stuck out to me as a as a winner, mm -hmm. and uh, and then uh, after the you know after the fact, it, it you know it's it stuck out to me quite a bit as uh, as uh, just a real authentic song. Uh, you know, there's not too many life on the road songs that 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 talk in 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 that specific um, type of like you know 
bleakness and obligation to it and mm-hmm. guilt and all these other things. Like, I mean, it, it's just got, it's got a lot of power to it. Uh, and and, and, and I'm, also I'm a like, sucker for that, you know. Yeah, so. but also, too, that, like, it's the unglamorous side. I mean, there's other songs right. that talk about the unglamorous side of the road or whatever. Packing your bag. Right. right. Yeah. But this one is, like... You know, like I said, with those references about, you know, the Northumberland Wolves or something, like, it really gives it, like, yeah. it's almost like, I can't help but do this. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. if I don't leave and do this, like, let's say, again, we're talking that it's autobiographical and it's the, the traveling band, it's Gord himself. It's like, if I don't do this, the wolves will come and get me. Like, I will go crazy. Right. You know, like, I have to get out there and do Well, this. and when he talks about, like, the archipelago as the family, you know, the island chain, islands are isolated, mm. you know what I mean? And and, and I thought, too, that, that Green Star, and not to contradict any, any of the stuff that, that you'd said either, was just that, you know, it was like a guiding light. Like, you mm. come home mm-hmm. to this place, but the place is finite, and you... You don't want to live in a finite place, mm. you know. Um, you, you, you want to be you want to be elsewhere. Uh, but yeah, uh, real love in on this song. But boy, oh boy, uh, certainly I think the album's best. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Steve, I guess it's up for it's Steve, up to Steve to bring Steve, it all on home. Steve, you're next up. It's my turn. The uh, clean up hitter. Right. Or back of the order. <laughs> B-side. However you want to think of it. Uh, so I'm, the first I'm going to do out of two is uh, the song Leave. Alright, so once again I'm doing the one, I'm the one doing the song that is written from the perspective of an animal. Uh, this time, instead of the hungry bear, we, we got a couple wise old birds. Now, much like the song Gift Shop, Leave has this ethereal plane type of thing going for it. It sees two birds with a philosophical line of questioning look down upon the banal earthbound activities, musing about the belief in an afterlife. It is like Hermes and Apollo sitting upon a cloud negotiating the fate of lesser lives. Do you mean the attack is routine? A bird asked of a bird. In this context, a concave nest. How do we learn to hurt? They go on to suppose. And you hope those earthbound poets could learn to sing as good as us so we can sit back and enjoy our illusions and our quietus. Of course, it is the earth and nature of these poets that has them on the lower ground, down in the muck, as they say. They need to make sense of it all because there is no relief. They cannot simply leave. She picks up the little leaves where human wrecks are left to seed, left to repaint their deities and plaster away at their villainies. Where there's love and there's hope. Uh, Interesting contrast in that verse and the use of the word leave. Firstly described as part of a tree that is essential to its own life and life cycle of ecosystems. 
Uh, this is the birds elevating a thing that is a crucial part of life on this planet and concurrently showing our disregard for it. So much so that we call them leaves, as if though to utter it is to call for their dispatch. But then they go on to put humans in the vein of disregard, saying that we are left to reprint our existence, as if though this kind of activity is truly inconsequential very much unlike actual leaves in that way. But without the bird's eye view, the all-seeing eye, we're left to pick through our lives and create hope and love through belief. And the nature of that is that our circumstances are ever-changing. And we need to remodel these beliefs constantly. But one bird asks the other, do you think they can change? Do you think they can take a more holistic view. The other answer is maybe, but why would they? And do you hope those earthbound folks could learn to sing as good as us so we can sit back and enjoy our losing in our quiet? Sorry, I've read that line twice now. Maybe it's because I want to talk about the word quietus. Great word. Great word. Great word. Um, yeah, meaning uh, wisdom. Who would have thought? Because it has the word quiet right in mm -hmm. there. Maybe that's kind of a part kind of Kind of like a stoic thing. Part and parcel, yeah. Uh. Well, I don't know, but why suppose it's not the way it should be? When you can squawk and wait for a word from above. Very much different from quietus, by the way, squawking. Uh, when you can squawk and wait for a word from above and change yourself into something you love when you Part of this line of questioning is whether or not we have a choice to rise above the patchwork and shabby systems of belief that we cobble together from our own wrecks and ruins. Can we resist being mired down, or is this our nature without variation? What do you guys think? Well, I think that we were just talking about leaving with Silver Jet. Very true, mm -hmm. yep. You know, and, uh, and then... And then Afterwards, he's espousing on you know the the, the power of re reinventing yourself and what it can mean to to uh, to just extricate yourself from the situation. Um, <clears throat> I think that you know when uh, when he talks about repainting your deities, uh, it's it's a sign of disrespect to the belief structure of. Uh, of the of the people below and and shitting all over it. But do you mean yeah. like, yeah? Or it's like you can just change it at a whim. No, I think it's more like maintenance. It feel mm. it, it, it to me anyway. It, once again, I, I I'm not gonna say oh this is the way or, or whatever, but but to to me I've always thought about it like like it's maintenance, you know, um, and you know these people we we can take a dump where we please. And these these people because they they have to they owe it to their these statues to paint them again anyway, mm. you know, and um, I I don't know the other thing I I, I thought of um, for sure uh, is uh, is 
how strange this song is. It's it's super strange, but it doesn't feel like it was rushed or like an afterthought. Like this sounds like a very well developed poem. Mm -hmm. that, Seriously. Yeah. yeah. That 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 I just don't think was ever loaned to be a very popular song. You know what I mean? For sure. No, it couldn't have been. Um, I do know what you mean. It, it also has a very nice um, kind of... Uh, there we go. Very nice kind of flow to it, but not structured like a, a pop song. It's just kind of like... A, right. It's like a winding path. It's very sing-songy. It yes. kind of rocks back and forth. Yeah. And it gives Gord the space to deliver this tale, this poem, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. the band is very subdued throughout mm. the whole thing. And we, it, yeah. We talked a lot about writing exercises. This absolutely smacks of one. This is mm. sort of like a... This is like one that he, like, he, he connected on and hit out of the park, but it's still... It's, it, you know, it's not very meaningful for the listener. You know what well, I mean? Well, unless you take the time to... Oh, I understand, and there's many, many of, you know, of his work that, that, that's like this, in that, you know, if you take the time, you peel the onion, there's something underneath. But it, 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 it really does feel like he set out to write a song about birds and then, uh, you know, found all these, uh, you know, specific, meaningful things to say after he had decided, you know. But... Do you think that that's how it started? Because I feel yeah, like it's I, more like you yeah, have something to say or you have these observations because it's very observational, right? Like about right. life and humans or whatever. Like you said, it's like Apollo and like, Hermes. you know, like, a, yeah. yeah, Hermes, like contemplating the whole thing, which is very, when you read that Greek shit, they're always talking about the humans. It's like, oh, why do we look it's at It's just, this? yeah, it's, it's a way to, to look down. Yeah, mm -hmm. when it's a way to reflect on human nature from an outside perspective. And so you need characters. I and just, he's like, who's the characters? I, it's the birds. I just thought it's a the, great device. I just thought that taking the term bird's eye view literally, especially right. when you'd written Silver Jet, which is all about escapism, you know, uh, it, it was like, I'm going to start here and we'll pull that thread and we'll see how far we hmm. get. Yeah. I, I like how he, he just sort of, you know, as a, almost as a drive-by, talks about the... Um, nature versus nurture argument uh you know living in these concave nests how do we how did we learn to hurt because like we're about to become dive bombers and we're going to be you know we're going to be victimizing people but that doesn't have anything to do with our upbringing and the life we've known so far so what compels well, us to do yeah that? and do you mean the attack is routine yeah yeah exactly it's like, like instinct right exactly so you know it, it's cool that he's broaching all these, you know, larger sort of uh, s subject matter. And, and it sounds very natural. It, you know, <clears throat> as weird as this song is, it doesn't seem to be forced. Like, it all kind I of pours like out, out of his mouth. I feel like it kind of rolls out of the tongue. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The tongue kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, uh, to me, an example of sort of superior uh, poetry. Um, mm -hmm. You know, um, because all these, there's no doubt that a lot of these lyrics, if not all of these lyrics, were written as lyrics before they were written as songs. You know, there's, I don't know how sure, much yeah. there, yeah, I don't know how the much. Process like, it might be. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how much Gord is like. Oh, you play that jam, and I'll just sing something until. No, I this is a this is a lyrical song. Yeah. 
that was structured as a song after the fact right. of the writing of the song. Well, I, mean, I think that's what I that's my take anyway. Yeah. I think you can hear that in the in like the, the subdued nature of the song. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like okay, Gord, we'll give you sort of the, the ride tap to yeah. start and say we'll what give you, you want to say. Give us, yeah. give us, we'll follow you. Yeah. You know, and he finds the melodies in there and, and the way to deliver it. And the band but just he still goes off. Like Gord goes off, and the band, like you said, gives him the space. But I still love how the band, again, they're they're like coming in with the heavy chords but they're it's muted stuff it's mm-hmm. a lot of space in there so uh i, I guess I you know you, yeah it's, oh absolutely i i i and i think that there's an unmistakable link to to pigeon camera which mm-hmm. which you know which is a bird's eye view type song too which is more about family and and, and growth and identity but um i just think that uh once again, it's it's just sort of showing that um, there's carryover from one song into the next. Mm-hmm. You know, as much as we sort of uh, might be oblivious to Silverjet and then leave, I mean, you know, he's saying something pretty that clear to him, mm-hmm. you know. But, I mean, that's, I, I think, like, so the birds are, are only there as a, as a tool, I suppose, right. or a device. <laughs> yeah. Um, but their observation of human activity would, it could easily be brought into Silverjet, and they would think that's all ridiculous too. Oh, of course, right? Yeah, and it's it's about part of it's about significance, mm-hmm. detachment, right? like, and things like that. Yeah, yeah, or just being so lost in the fact that you're a human being, right? Right, uh, I'm angsty. Yeah, yeah. that like uh, the n- uh, all of a sudden nothing else yeah. matters. Yeah, right. Well, I think it's a kind of a contrast, or a, maybe not a contrast, but a counterbalance to that kind of wisdom that he espouses. Like, um, you know, you have to live. Uh, you have to. Lo- you have to look at the whole picture, mm-hmm. right? Don't forget about leaves. Mm. Idiots. <laughs> <laughs> But this one, it's like very much in what I was saying at the beginning, and that this album does feel like there's lessons. You know, right. there's a, there's a number of songs now we've touched on where it's like yep. kind of, and this one almost more explicitly is like, here's my ponderings on the world. Let me tell you how I think it is. Sure. You know, in sort of a veiled yeah. way, yeah. but it, it's right there. And it's it's it feels like you know Gord had something to say. It's very unpreachy, but there are lessons. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. And I just got to say, I absolutely love the device of the characters talking to each other. Right. You know, and like revealing yeah. revealing how, the knowledge. How do we learn to hurt? Like yeah. we're talking to each other. Yeah. 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 yeah it's such a beautiful thing. And again, yeah. it's like it kind of reminds me of like all those old Greek myths and stuff, where you right. have the two. Gods as the narrator, or you have some kind of a narrator that's coming in, and or Aesop, and yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, or even Shakespeare. Yeah. There's like two characters that come in and give the context, you know, in a right. scene or something like that. Right, and the audience is meant to find the truth in their conversation, yeah. not identify one as the correct. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah, great, great device, yeah. and it's it's also just like a like a, we'll just say musically we're talking about how it's subdued and stuff it is, but it's a really pretty song. It is, yep. you know, it's it's nice to listen to, and I think it almost you could miss 
you could miss this track. This might be one of the ones yes. you're talking about on the back where it lags a bit. Yeah. Because it's it doesn't, you know, crest in the yep. de decibels. It stays. Yep. But if you sit down and listen to it, it you know, it almost kind of feels like the rules in that in that mm -hmm. sense mm -hmm. from, from Phantom Power. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Great. Uh, absolutely. That that makes all the sense in the world. Well, I'm glad you guys liked it. Love your take, Steve. On to the take. next one. All right, well, my next song is The Dire Wolf. A place that sits at the precipice between life and death. Specifically, this song visits the Isle of Mort, or, as the French say, Ile de Mort. <laughs> Meaning, Island of Death. Dun, dun. <laughs> Sorry, somebody had to do it. Yeah. It really starts off this song, uh, you can tell, there's just all about death, can't ya? Um, so the song starts uh, in that September off Isle of Mort. The desultory sea grew more so through the night. It made one think of tawny ports and aspen trembling in tomorrow's thorough light. The sultry sea is yet another touch of imagery using unfamiliar words. The sultry meaning a lack of plan or purpose. We can imagine the ocean moving in such a way, kind of with uh, in an organized chaos. Uh, the tawny ports conjure an image of thick red wines, delectable and sweet. But they also most perfectly resemble the color and consistency of blood. <laughs> yeah. The song continues. <laughs> and of Tallulah Bankhead and Canada Lee, somewhere far off, peaceful, sleeping, and done with acting, past the dire wolf's lair on Newfoundland's pond. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, just have a. Ah, we got a tea Okay. Uh, I'll just uh, start again. Uh, to the little bank, head and somewhere far off, peaceful, sleeping, and done with acting, past the dire wolf's lair on a Newfoundland's pause, close to nowhere, halfway across. Uh, now, Tallulah Bankhead and Canada Lee are actors, uh, presumably from the Gregory Peck era of cinema, as it's most commonly referred to as, apparently. Um, they both starred in an Alfred, Alfred uh, Hitchcock movie called The Lifeboat uh, that saw an unlikely group of people stranded in the lifeboat after being shipwrecked in World War II. Uh, a review, or, or sorry, I guess a summary of Lifeboat uh, tells its tale. Lifeboat tells the grim tale of survivors from a bombed allied freighter trying, trying to survive at sea 
while World War II rages. On board the lifeboat in the movie are a reporter, a union worker from Chicago, a millionaire, a seaman, a British radio operator, a nurse, a Negro steward. That's from, uh, that's a quote. Can't use that word anymore. That was written in 1948, though. And an English woman, the quote is resuming, you can't tell. And an English woman with her dead baby. Can we say dead baby in 2019? I don't even know. You're more able to say that than Negro, so. What did I you think... just say? <laughs> oh, right. Sorry, I wasn't Jeez. in a quote. Quote Negro. In many ways, they are a microcosm of humanity. And when they pick up an enemy from the German submarine that bombed them, the group has to decide what to do with him. End quote. Seems plausible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so a song about mortality appropriately references this movie that grapples with these types of hard decisions, obviously. Uh, in the end, you find yourself fallen to the sea. So how will you act in your final moments. Uh, I also want to touch on the imagery in this verse of the direwolf's lair on a Newfoundland's paws. Uh, fantastic just kind of picture of the island of uh, Newfoundland and, and the geography of it. Uh, it's, it's very clear in my head kind of what it's trying to do there. Um, so the following verse goes, Somewhere far off, peaceful sleeping, they learn to love sleep. That is uh, Canada and Tallulah. Um, past the Darwolf's lair on a Newfoundland's pause, close to nowhere, halfway across, nevermore here, expanse getting broader, though bigger boats been done by this water. So I like it's it's depicting Newfoundland as this place where uh, boats, I mean, it's almost like a... Uh, Bermuda Triangle of the North, where there's all these shipwrecks and shipwreck after shipwreck uh, happen there, and it's actually a very popular place to go dive the Isle of Moore right now to go see, you know, shipwrecks. Um, and of course, when it's referencing though bigger boats have been done by this water, uh, the, you know, the large ship that we all imagine going down and, and surrendering lives in, in the uh, North Atlantic by Newfoundland is, is the Titanic. Uh, but not just the Titanic, obviously. There's many more claimed. Um, now, I don't see this... I, like, um, I don't see this as a sorrowful song. Uh, you know, it even starts, it, it seems like upbeat the way that he's singing and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and, the, and the melody of the guitars. Um, but I think it's just a kind of reverential look at a place that's, um, you know, it's a place that... Uh, is hard to live, hard to survive. Well, hard to get to, hard, hard to, to live, to. Hard, hard to... Hard to be on the waters, hard to, hard to, uh, you know, the locals would have, would know this, obviously, because they'd be on boats as well. Um, 
And so it's, it's, it just seems like kind of like a place where if you want to pass through here, um, you're basically, uh, you know, there's a good chance that you're, you're going down with the ship uh, and you have to kind of be aware of that risk at the time. So, um, anyway, tons of great imagery in the song. Um, and I suppose that's all I have, but I mean, Does you it... know, maybe we'll re-record this podcast at a later time and I'll, <laughs> and I'll have some other things to say. Uh, well, I mean, uh, <clears throat> it, it, is it as desolate a place as uh, it's being made out to be, or is it sort of a, is there a chance that it's a sort of a simple place, uh, as the melody sort of would insinuate? Oh, I'm sure uh, it is. I'm sure they, I'm sure the people in this place don't see it as a desolate. I'm sure they see it as, yeah, just their place. Yeah, and they and they probably you know there's a certain ominous. Uh, idea to living on the island of death. Dun, dun, dun. But that's not really where I live. I live on the Isle of Mort in Newfoundland, and <laughs> it's a lot of fishing, and it's pretty good camping. But I think to me, like, the, the sense that I get out of it is that it's like, you know, testing your metal almost even. You know, sure. It's like, if you get, like, what's the... Uh, you were never more here, expanse getting broader, when better boats been done by this water. Like, mm -hmm. and just the idea of, like, better boats have been done by this water. You're in this so small why would, boat. So why would you do it? Why would you well, challenge it? Well, yeah, yeah. but also that, like, well, you know that reasons. better boats have been done by this water, but we're here, we're doing it. We're trying, you know, expanse getting broader. You were never no more here. You were never more alive right. than when you challenged the thing that you knew better mm -hmm. equipped people Mm -hmm. or boats or whatever, you know, True. didn't survive. But there's lots True. of reasons why you would be there, and not all of it is to challenge it, you know, which I think might be the... the I'm not uh, saying that you purposefully went out there to, but you find yourself in this situation, and mm -hmm. that's the allusion to the movie, is like, yeah. you find yourself in this, you know, situation where we have these questions of life and death, and what are we going to do, and now we got this German guy that, do we kill him, do we, you know, what do we, you know, what happens, spoiler alert, they killed a German. Oh, no, geez, I, haven't, I, I, I haven't seen this film from 1948. No, uh, uh, but you know what I mean. Like that's to me what it comes at. And then, then, and then Newfoundland becomes this place that's like that's where you're trying to get to. It's almost like if we can get past this thing, we get to the safety. We get to the right. the tawny ports. We get, and then this is where the dire wolf lives. He's sort of the you know protector of this. Well, if I'm, you can get through, you know. The I mean, hardship you right. get to well, and the dire wolf is is the island uh, itself, in in my opinion. He talks about the paws being uh, at the Isle of Mort, mm -hmm. you know, and you know this place being a, a menacing place. I mean, our idea of Newfoundland and people from Newfoundland does not have a lot of menace to it. It's a very no. welcoming, sort of uh, folksy place in mm -hmm. the world, mm -hmm. you know, a quirky spot half hour away from everything you know uh is sort of how i think of of, yeah. of, of newfoundland time zone and, reference yeah nice yeah thanks man um <clears throat> and uh i just think it, i i think it's a little i think it's a little love song to a part of canada you know um 
Uh, certainly, if you'd spent some time there, uh, you would come away with a very distinct impression of it. And I think it's probably a very misunderstood place. Mm -hmm. And uh, But do you think it's maybe a tip of the hat, like kind of what I was saying, where it's like, it's tough to get to, but once you're there, it's great. Sure. So a little tip of the hat. Sure. It's a love song to this place, but it yeah. also gives it like, don't think of it as just this little place. Well, it's a little important. Yeah. The people, they might seem Good simple point. and whatever, but they've dealt with some I struggle. Yeah, there dealt. was your word. You said Negro. <laughs> <laughs> they're also, they're also, there. you know, it's on the tape, so I mean, your listeners can figure it out. But they're also there, right? They didn't, they, they got there. You know, that's right. kind of a part of their... Uh, I guess you could say their cultural identity is mm -hmm. that they are right. They're of the sea. They came from the right. sea, and now they still go out into the sea. Right. They survived and the it's, ascent. And it's just a part too. of yeah. their everyday life. But right. I mean, people who are trying to get there, or people trying to survive around that island on the sea, are uh, unless they have uh, the proper equipment and the proper know-how, are going to. Uh, they're going to fall. Be, be done by this water. They'll be done by this water, yeah. Yeah. No, you know what? And a, and a, and a beautiful song, uh, probably a, a, a forgotten song uh, in the uh, in the hip oeuvre. Mm -hmm. you know, it's mm -hmm. uh, something that is certainly not present to mind, but uh, to me, a, to me, a beautiful song and a, and a location specific song. Yeah, I love and, that. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Gort does that. Uh, really quite well i mean that's something we should probably sort of touch on you know like uh, this is a this is a love song to a very specific place uh you know sundown in the paris of the prairies and things like that that strike a little closer to our hearts it's easier to closer see. to our side of the country for sure yeah exactly yeah and, and thompson girl yeah thompson girls about a very specific uh, uh spot and there's a very specific manhunt going on there right now, which isn't exactly important to the podcast. <laughs> and will be dated and come. Uh, yeah, yes, 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 exactly. But you know, uh, you know, songs about specific places. This is something, you know, Smiling Trees and Sault Saint Marie's, and this is this is something that's you know. Uh, but it's not just a line. This is a whole song. I prefer no, but yeah, that. That's that uh, Sault Ste. Marie and the mother tongue and stuff. Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. song about, you know, about about a specific circumstance. But but I'm just saying that I don't think that I knew the song was about Newfoundland, even though it has the word Newfoundland in it, until we did this podcast the first time. <laughs> um, but but no no no. I mean, here we are. It's a it's a. Yeah, it's a gorgeous song, and uh, I like it when um, he's struck by uh, the romance of a certain uh, place yeah. and, and, and writes a song uh, I, to that. Yeah, uh, I place. think he loves uh, harsh geog geographic features, too. I think sure. that's yeah. a part harsh of Canada. environments to live in. Right, Thompson, like, Manitoba uh, Thompson is Thompson impossible or, to survive. Yeah, yeah. And then he, like, he sings lots about the North, like uh, in later albums, or he talks about, sings about uh, Attawapiskat. Yep. and uh, Newfoundland and you know I think that just that's kind of romantic to him is the sure. idea that there are people who actually live here first of all and then people who try to just go there die right yeah, yeah. no no yeah. no well said I mean that's you know Tibetan in a certain way where, yeah. it's, where it's you know sort of in vogue to to, to try to join these people but you know they, they don't need you there they have mm -hmm. their own 
culture happening. Yeah. Yeah. I will say, though, that that, that is a, a sentiment that, you know, having, you know, lived abroad, or still living abroad, it is a Canadian sentiment that people pick up on, that it's a harsh place to live. It's, it's remote. something It's yeah. remote, and it's like, it's... And we talk about, like, you know, overt Canadian references and hip songs and stuff mm. like this, but this is one of those ones that, you know, we just mentioned all the songs little, that he little, does little it in. But it's more subtle, yeah. It's more subtle, but it's also, I think it actually resonates more because I bet you most Canadians kind of can resonate with that and find mm. those things beautiful, you know, like the remoteness of it. You wouldn't be here if you, if you didn't. But Absolutely. Musically, also, another, like we said, subdued track, yep. but... Great melody. Melody yep. drives it along mm-hmm. when he's getting into the better boat's been done by this water and things like this, some of these lines. And it's so, I, as we said at the beginning, you said, John, it drags in the back half. Yeah, and we beautiful kinda, thing. And there's some, yeah, there's some stickers. But, and, I, and so I, I'm agreeing with you there, like kind of like I, I understand that, you know, maybe you, you these don't stand out. But mm-hmm. when, if you take the time to listen. Yeah. And when you, if you are just listening to the album. Mm-hmm these will, they'll poke out. But like you said, looking at name recognition of the tracks, maybe it doesn't. But Poking mm. through with their shoots of beauty. Mm. There you it's, go. It's, uh, yeah, no, uh, that's all scripture there. I, 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 uh, <laughs> I, wanted, to, I, I wanted to talk about um, uh, just a couple other, you know, I, you know, best of the rest. Are we in the wrap-up? I, I think so. I think we're in the wrap-up. I think so. Um, I want to talk about All Tore Up. All Tore Up is like a very us versus them performers versus audience. And, um, you know, <laughs> play your fuck off now is right. You know, and, and talking about, you know, having a, I don't know, just a, a strong guard up. Uh, the living end, the living end of the living end of the living end. That's a very, you know, that's a very gourd thing to do. Um, also just wanted to, to, to say Dottie, the local bluegrass singer, bearing her local breasts. It's <laughs> probably, you know, and, and, and... It's probably something they've seen yeah, on tour, you know? Yeah, like, it's probably well, like an image yeah. that has happened. Oh, sure, you know, and, and for these sort of salt-of-the-earth bands, these, you know, touring for decades types bands, mm-hmm. you know, good for you for putting that uh, sort of sentiment into words mm-hmm. and actually committing it to an album. Mm-hmm. But you again, know. this is probably one of the things that why the hip is so beloved by right. the country and the people is that you get these tidbits and they're they're honest in their appraisal and their uh, representation of Absolutely. the country. You know? Absolutely, yeah. Um, throwing off glass, um, I, I wanted to mention this one too. Um, it's a bit of a, a sag in the album, and it's like uh, so smooth, it's sort of almost uh, adult contemporary. But I wanted to mention, uh, I wanted to mention, barbarous threats, just like mm. love, it has its barbarous threats, mm. and stub toe effects. And then he talks about uh, just like after you learned the word iridescent, everything was iridescent for yeah. a while. You know, I and, love it's, that. and it's funny too because. Um, the very nature of what he's describing, I, I want to use that exact turn of phrase, everything was iridescent for a while, uh, after I learned that lyric. Mm-hmm, <laughs> it mm-hmm. makes me want to makes makes reference everything. You know, to it, it sounds fictive to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Okay, oh, well, man, you guys are using all these big words I now. Know, I know, I know. Uh, well, uh, oh, double surprise. I like that one too. And that's 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 just a throwaway a throwaway thing. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. Those are those are sort of the. Uh, Oh, uh, got your hole dug, uh, you know, as a way of saying uh, there's no time to waste and, in are you ready and, and smoke it to the stub, um, you know, as a way to say use it all up. I, I, um, I really like this album. I like it quite a lot. Um, I'm an even bigger fan of In Between Evolution. Um, I remember the, the, the album next. Um, but I we're not there yet. Let's no, no, no. I just I remember, I remember having the the sort of feeling uh, that this band is out of gas, and they never really showed that at this point, even remotely at all. Mm. Um, this is a really really strong album, and one I reach for and put on all the time. I, I certainly don't think that this is an after work, and uh, and it sort of. Um, it's it's a very natural album and a and a very uh, sort of realistic appraisal of where the band is at the time, and I think that uh, they get a little more daring on the next album, mm -hmm. and there's even more to look forward to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, maybe genuine is the word when you say it's a real appraisal of where they're at right now. Yeah, like it feels yeah nice. Like it feels genuine. It feels like here's what we have. And like I said, I, I've said it a million times now during this podcast, but this idea of like imparting this wisdom or a, whatever, it's like, sure. these are my thoughts. Yeah. And it comes across really genuine. Yeah. Um, Let me put my thoughts into you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. yeah. It sounds a little weird when you say it. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. I yeah. like the way that you said it. Well, um, Gord's so good at that because he's so open to the world mm -hmm. around him. And his lyrics and his writing is so right. It he's tackles not, so he's, many things. It's not like the same fucking thing. Yeah, over he's and not over the darkest one where he's talking about the same fucking trials and tribulations. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, but he does it. He's not beating you over the head over it. I want to point out one line that sticks out to me, and it's from the Dark Canuck, which I think is another, you know, maybe un underappreciated track on mm -hmm. this album. But hang them upside down until their art falls out. Yeah. And then you get the short <laughs> answers, 48 hours. <laughs> yeah. What? Like, it's, yeah. it takes 48 hours for their art to fall out when you hang them upside. It's just such a weird well, line. And, the, and, and the, I don't, I'm not going to, like, I don't. Well, have enough blood, to talk yeah, about but it's the like song. blood from a stone, yeah. though, right? Sure, you're yeah, gonna yeah. Shake, you're going to well, shake you need the, the content. You need the verse that precedes that. Mm. You're going to use that verse. So how... You can cast your doubts, turn them inside out, hang them up, <clears throat> hang them upside down, till their art falls out. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Which I think adds a little more context. Definitely. But it's just that's my. You were pointing out your. It, it feels. It feels like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, where the 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 meaning of life is three or whatever. Forty-eight hours. Yeah. Right? Right. Like, yeah. Exactly. It's that's and that's from the Dark Canuck. Yeah. Which has another. Uh, it has a great line of, uh, if you need a good connection for drugs, or a strong tolerance for alcohol, too little religious education, some pain threshold. That goes on and on. I just lied. I love those. Uh, yeah. Verse, yeah. That verse. There's a Jaws reference in there, too, which is really cool. Yeah. That's a great song. Yeah. We really could have done one. that song. Um, the only other things I'll say about it, um, 
musically it seems really consistent you know the album like yes. there's not a lot of peaks there's not a lot of valleys you know the the front half is a bit more you know well upbeat said. we'll say well and then yep. the, the last half and i think i mentioned this already but it, it it has that very hip nature where you know the tempo doesn't change but the song still feels like it's changing mm -hmm. you know like it's still moving Absolutely. and stuff yep. i mentioned the Max Weinberg snare, you know, kind of thing from sure. Springsteen albums where it's, mm. tsh, tsh, you know, and yep. Johnny kind of does that, but but you still get a lot of movement, you still get a lot of feeling, you still get a lot of up and down in the songs, and I feel like that's a very hip thing, and this album, you know, nails it mm. in that sense. But it is kind of consistent. It doesn't, you know, change a whole lot. Mm -hmm. um, I want to ask you this, John, before we wrap up, and sure. then Steve, you have anything else? Uh, no, but if you have a question for me... I know. don't. John, you mentioned that you put this album... <laughs> you mentioned that you, you reach for this album often. Oh, you should see his face. <laughs> anyway, sorry. You mentioned that you reach for this album often and you put it on. I yeah. wonder, is there a certain feeling or mood or time that you find yourself reaching for it or you're just nostalgic for the album? Purple. Let's end it there. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I can piggyback off that. Oh, <laughs> I think boy. we're out of time. I think we're out of time. Oh, boy. Cast of the Unplugged Gems, we're going to be right back with you with a truly, truly great album in between evolution. We're going to see you next time. Thank you all so much for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please do rate us or comment on the show wherever you're getting your podcasts you can also follow the show on twitter and interact with us there at cast gems you can also visit the website hipcast.meterroom.ca all the artwork for the show was provided by sebastian abood you can check out more of his great work at sebastianabood.com that's sebastian a-b-b-o-u-d.com this show is produced by Matt Walkie. You can check out his great stuff at meterroom.ca. This show is co-produced by me, Bradley Van Perdon. You can find my work at bradleyvanperdon.wordpress.com. You can also follow and interact with me on Twitter, at bvanperdon. Thank you again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the cast of the Unplugged Gems.